This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tuesday, April 14th, 2020, and you're tuned in to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined as always by our tribe beat writer, Paul Hoynes, and our uh, guest today, Jeremy Fedor from the Cleveland Indians, communications coordinator and team historian. Jeremy, good to talk to you. Hey, great to be here. I mean, I'd rather be at the ballpark, but obviously well, we, it's what it is. I think we'd all rather be at the ballpark at this point, and you know, hopefully that's coming and in some way, shape, or form, or, or, or the other, you know, pretty soon, uh, you know. But until then, you, you've got a lot of things going on, in just with this coronavirus pandemic and everybody being home, and you know, no sports being played on TV, nothing to nothing to do. They're airing a lot of these these past games on on Sports Time and things like that. But you know, from your perspective, you're able to provide some content. Uh, with the access that you have to the the Indians archives, why don't you tell us a little bit about you know what you're providing to Indians fans during this uh, pandemic and this time when we're sheltered inside? So I guess the the big thing I, I'm trying to do it. My overall uh, grand arch of everything is you know as the the team historian for the club, um, I want to get you know you mentioned where they're showing games on STO and. Obviously, a lot of those are, are more recent or they're the 90s. And, you know, that's that's great. You know, fans can relate because fans were alive and fans remember that stuff. Uh, but for me, I also want to convey the fact that, you know, we're over 100 years old. And you know, organized baseball in Cleveland, too, has been played for 150 years. So there's this deep well of history. And I, um, you know, want to dip a little deeper than just, uh, you know, the 90s or, or recently. And convey the fact that we're not just uh, uh, Bob Feller in the 40s and a lot of bad baseball in the 90s and now you know there's a lot more to it and even in those like bad seasons there's still history there's still stories that are are ripe for telling so um, you know the other avenue with, with everything is it's 2020 which is the 100th anniversary of the 1920 team which was our first pennant our first world series team first pennant winning team and they kind of get overshadowed because you know the 48 team there's still people alive that saw feller and saw boudreaux and and uh you know anyone that was at a game in 1920 odds are unless they're you know 110 (laughs) or something like that um, they're not getting to many games this uh (laughs) lately recently right 
Right. And, and the history of that team and of the guys, and even, you know, before that, they, they don't have numbers, so you can't retire a number. So we don't have them up in the Raptors and we, we have ways of getting it out there, but it, it's still not as, I mean, there's no video. There's, there's no uh, game action. I mean, there's a few things here and there. So, um, you know, I wanted to kind of tell that story because I think, it almost reads like a, a movie script too. So what I'm doing, and it's going to veer off this once I complete the 1920 um, storyline, I guess, but I'm doing, it's called Our Tribe History. It's a, a podcast about obviously the Indians history and you know, kind of what you guys do. I want to get some different voices. So um, I covered the first one from a quick 1901 to 1915, which again, you could do, you could spend episodes on that era um especially with Lajoie and mm-hmm. and everything that what happened there but as it happens you know 1915 the owner's financial troubles they trade shoeless joe then he ends up selling the team and um jim dunn comes in and immediately signs tris speaker and you know fans i feel like it was such a lost um appreciation for for a guy like speaker um you know i saw mandy bell had a great year or who's your the greatest second baseman in Indians history. And I think Robbie was winning it. And don't get me wrong. Robbie Elmer is great, but you know, Nap Lajaway is one of the, uh, you know, the, the greatest of all baseball. time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And same goes with, with Tris Speaker. If you ask an, you know, an Indians fan, I'm sure if Manny puts something up, Lofton's going to get all the votes and that's not to take away from Kenny Lofton. It's that, more of a, that's hard. recency. It's recency bias is what that is. Right. But like having, having a, uh, uh, you know, appreciation for the fact that Tris Speaker is literally one of the greatest center fielders of, of all time and the impact he had on Cleveland um, later. And as a player manager and then coming back with, with Doby, I think it's just uh, it's, it's fascinating. And I think he was a feller before feller because he ended up, after he retired, he hung around Cleveland and won the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame as a Cleveland, kind of was a good ambassador. Um, so, you know, telling this story, and there's, again, more to just the 1920 team than Ray Chapman getting, you know, not to sound crass, but hitting the head, the drilled in the head and, and killed, you know, there's, there's a lot more to that team that how it came together and how they um, mm-hmm. kind of fought through adversity and the way from when speaker comes in in 1916 to when they won in 1920. I mean, my last podcast, I looked at uh, how the impact of world war one had on, on the team and some of the guys, I mean, again, going back to Feller, we focus much more on world war two with these veterans. I mean, Gene Bearden was a purple heart winner and, Obviously, Feller had his his um, medals, but you know we had guys over in World War One get gassed, and some guys were able to come back and play. Some guys not so much. Um, but uh, so again, getting that out there, um, and I think you know, and everyone's stuck at home. Maybe you don't have time to read. And we have avenues of you know. I try to do a companion blog post, but mm-hmm. sometimes I know people would much rather just put something in their ear while they're doing dishes or taking a walk, and um, you know it's a good way to. Uh, to get that out there and I can use um, primary, you know, the original plane dealers from the time. And uh, when I spoke at world war one, I, I spoke with an author um, who has a book on world war one and baseball. So especially having saber as a resource too, there's mm-hmm. so many people that have um, expertise in different areas of baseball, which, you know, I think is one of the, the coolest features of baseball is, I mean, there's still people studying the Black Sox uh, scandal. And I spoke with uh, Jacob Pomeranke last night. He's the chair of the Black Sox uh, 
scandal. And obviously the Indians finished second place in 1919. And, you know, we, we traded uh, or we let go of uh, Chick Gandel to the, the White Sox um, after uh, 16. And he's one of the, you know, the big names in that scandal and right. Shoeless Joe. And when that Joe Shoeless Joe trade was announced, we almost traded Chapman instead. And like the, the course of history, like the what ifs, if Chapman would have went and Jackson would have stayed, obviously the odds of Chapman dying from a, a, a beanball like that, you know, probably have been drastically decreased. But right. um, so, you know, I'm trying to dive into these topics and um, see what's out there and then remind fans. I mean, just because we don't have 27 world titles doesn't mean these guys aren't worth remembering. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's Jack Rainey or, you know, eventually I like to get, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, there's history there, but I have a, a bias towards the early stuff and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. And, well, I'm just and, trying and to... you've got a, you've got a great resource here as a guy who was a cub reporter for those 1920 teams. And Paul, <laughs> uh, you know, and just hearing, you know, some of that history coming, coming up, what, what you know, what, what do you think of, of Jeremy's efforts to sort of keep that stuff alive and, and, and make sure that the people have, have access to, you know, that sort of information? Well, I love it. I think that's, it's, it's really important. I know uh, Jeremy uh, referred to uh, Ray Chapman. I read the book, uh, what the pitch that killed and, and not so much about Chapman, but just the reaction of Cleveland to him when, after he died and how the city kind of came to a standstill and, you know, just, you know, the mourners and, you know, that's how the grip baseball had on the city then. It, it, it was amazing to me. It was really, you know, compelling, I thought. And uh, it just showed you how important, you know, baseball was. I and mean, not that it's not important now, but it was kind of the only game in town then, it seemed like. Right. And, uh, uh, it really kind of ruled, ruled uh, you know, the newspapers and, the media it was it was the the, the one focal point uh, yeah you, you mentioned how you know the, the stranglehold baseball had and i think there's even a podcast in that brookside park game if i get around to that one you know you see these pictures of a supposedly a hundred thousand people mm-hmm. you know for an amateur league game i mean there's all these different branches and tentacles you can uh explore and um you know especially with with chapman when fans come to the ballpark and they're in heritage park like that plaque that's down in heritage park that was created um, like pretty quickly after Chapman died and hung in league park and at the old ballpark. And like, you know, it's a piece of history you can touch and uh, you know, connect with, with the past there. So, you know, letting people know it, that, you know, it's not just a plaque that we had made and put up recently, but there's, there's still tangible evidence. So if you're walking down East ninth and see, uh, see the, the church, you know, that's where Chapman was buried out of and uh, yeah. kinds of still built structures and, and uh, you could see to have that connection, Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy uh, I, I was wondering, uh, what what happened in in the the Spanish flu in, in 1918? Did did baseball stop then? Do you was was that during the baseball season? I was reading. They, I mean, the, the 18 season ended early just because of of World War One. Uh, so, like, I mean. By like the mid of July, there was all that is baseball essential? Is it not? And then. Uh, the secretary of was it War Newton Baker said, "Well, baseball is not essential, but you guys can finish the season." So I'm not sure the um, what the parameters were of the the flu, but it was mostly more toward because of of the war and you. you know needing to either work or fight. Uh, 
that kind of caused the season to uh, to end. And then even going through that was fascinating because again, Jim Dunn, the Indians owner, was kind of mad that the season went past you know mid July. It's like we really should have shut down. Like why are we still playing? And we're a team that finished sounds like two and a half games behind the Red Sox. So that is one of those near misses we've had in our history where. Obviously, the playoffs aren't like they are now, so you had to win it all. And Gee, sort of like 19, 19, sort of like nineteen ninety four, huh? Yeah, well, in like nineteen oh eight too, we were a half game back of the uh, of the uh, Tigers. Like we have all these like close calls where we we could have had four or five World Series titles, but because of either a really great Yankees team or or just bad luck or weird coincidences, uh, then you have forty eight where you uh, you win a random playoff game. So once in a while, things go our way. <laughs> All right, Jeremy, uh, tell uh, everybody who's listening how they can access uh, this information that you're putting up. Uh, I, I'm assuming through Indians.com is, is, is a way to get there as well. Uh, yeah, there's, I think if you go through the blog, I know if you go through um, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, um, mm-hmm. any place you'd really find podcasts, uh, you can find, it's called again, Our Tribe History. And then, um, you know, on our social media, especially Facebook, we'll every Friday, I'm trying to do it every Friday, have it out. And we'll do like a, a blog post that says, you know, click here. It kind of gives a gist of what it's about. And then at the bottom, there's a, a link you can click to uh, to access that. And like I said, next one's 1919. And then we'll get into the 20 season and kind of break that down a little bit. Um, and uh, uh, I don't know how long. It's it's I kind of almost fly by the seat of my pants things. I'm still pretty new at this, but right. um, there's – you know, that fine balance between getting too lost in the weeds because there's, all, again, all kinds of these cool one-off stories. And, uh, uh, this, well, I mean, I don't want to just get into, like, in this game, Tris Baker at three hits. And, mm-hmm. You know, that gets kind of dull after a while, too. So finding that balance of making these guys seem like they were real people and the characters that they were versus just going to baseball reference and looking at stats. And, you know, again, anyone right. can, can do that. Well, tell us how, how you sort of fell into this job as the, the Indians team historian. What, how long have you been with the, the club, and, and how did you become – how does one become a team historian? So I'm actually one of uh, – I mean, I'd say about more than half the teams have someone in, uh, in my position. And uh, actually, the Indians were the very first team to have a museum and a Hall of Fame back in 1951, and Shoeless Joe's in our Hall of Fame. Um, and we had a museum back at the old ballpark up until yeah. about the 70s. And the stuff that they said, they had Wombies triple play ball. They had a Lajue bat and all kinds of stuff. And then it just got boarded up when kind of things went down, down, uh, downhill. And stuff got lost, got walked away. Um, so like, we have like, a couple of pictures, but nothing shows the artifacts we had. Mm-hmm. Um, but nevertheless, um, I uh, have a master's degree in museum and archive work. And for a while, I was working a couple of part-time jobs. I was with my EW, my undergrad. and I did a little work with the Browns when they had mm-hmm. that little museum that went away um, and a few other jobs. But I said, well, I'm a kid of the nineties. I love baseball. I love, you know, the Indians. Um, so I ended up getting in contact with Bobby D and saying, Hey, this is what I do. I know other teams have people like, is there a use for me? And sure <laughs> enough, him and Curtis were like, yeah, we could, you know, figure something out. And then uh, in my first year, I was an intern. That was 2014. Uh, the Feller museum in Iowa was closing. So, um, Bobby D and I flew out there and um, packed up a U-Haul with Bob's son, uh, Steve Feller, mm-hmm. 
and uh, Bobby flips me the keys and says, all right, you're driving. This is December. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, God. And he's, like, on the phone the whole time. And I'm like, Bobby, am I going to kill us? Like, can I get change lanes and stuff? And uh, how, does that not, how does that not get made into a Netflix movie, you and Bobby, <laughs> on the road back <laughs> from Iowa? Not kind of what. It was remotely, just, like, pretty chill. But, like, it was hard to hear. We were in the U-Haul. And, it, it, you know, we, we stayed at halfway in, like, South Bend. And we had a back the u-haul up to like some bushes to add extra protection so no one would break in um but yeah bobby was like always on the phone or texting and i was like just kind of driving like all right you know and we tuned yeah. into a Cavs game i think halfway through there but um <laughs> so then you know the organization saw kind of the value and i mean they've always seen a value in it i mean from you know paul on down everyone understands that there's a, an appreciation for the history and I think most fans do too, because yes, you're a fan of the team because of Lindor and because of Jose and, and uh, you know, Clev and those guys, but you know, they're 10 years, these guys are all, gone. you know, it, it, it's always a changing thing. So the past is, is static now. I mean, you'll see just as many feller jerseys at a game than you, as you'll see, you know, current guys. And that's like that with most teams that aren't the Tampa Bay Rays or, or, you know, Florida Marlins, I mean. And, and it's kind of one of my goals, too, is, you know, if you talk to a Yankees fan, they'll rattle off Maris, Mantle, Yogi. And I want fans, yes, Tommy's great, and you know, and, and Bell and, and Feller and Dobie. But, you know, don't forget Kovaleski and don't forget Eddie Joss and uh, right. and even guys in the, the 60s, 70s. And uh, um, but there's definitely a rich history. And, uh, you know, we've been again, right after the civil war, the four cities were founded and, and they were paying guys, just they weren't paying the entire team like the reds. So, you know, the reds take all this credit, but you know, we're just as early as, uh, as the reds and Cleveland's got so many notable firsts in terms of, uh, you know, the 1871 four cities played the first professional prevention, professional, professional, uh, league game in Fort Wayne. You know, I mentioned in the podcast first team to wear uniform numbers on our sleeve um, and all these different, you know, one-offs that I think are, are pretty unique. So, hey, Jeremy, less, yeah, Jeremy, what what does this treasure trove look like? I mean, is it like, does it take like three stories and like you got storage bins and what do you well, got? That's so. That's like it's it's bittersweet. So the bad part is you'd think we'd have so much stuff from like the '90s, but like. I was talking to Bobby D and when they saw it, Albert's bat, bat in half, when the playoff game, when they thought it was corked, they gave it back to Bobby and he's like, Bobby offered to Albert and Albert didn't want it. So he got thrown away. So something oh. like that's like, oh, oh damn it. Or like, I, I did find out Holbrook Cabrera's bat from the, the comeback. Part of uh -huh. it's at Cooperstown. So like every once in a while things make it through, but you know, I, I asked Tommy about the ball he caught to clinch the uh, 95 team. I think he still has that, but, We've been fortunate. So we have like, for example, we have Tyler Naquin's walk-off inside the park jersey because um, the guys kind of ripped that. So we were able to save that. Um, we have the last out ball or, um, and the walk-off from games 15 through 22 of the win streak. Yeah, I wanted um, to ask – we'll go back to that. I wanted to ask you about that, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, so Luplo last year was the guy that hit the home run to set the franchise record for home runs. Okay. So we got Loop's bat. Um, Bauer's batting gloves. So we have Bauer, uh, his bloody jersey from the ALCS. Mm -hmm. um, we have the ball. We clinched in 16 in the Central. We have the one in the, the uh, Division Series. But then Carlos kept the one. 
in uh, in Toronto, so we don't have that one. But what's what's the level of coordination that it takes to make sure you get those those balls or those the those things of significance in 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 that time? Because I remember you know just being in the press box watching between you and Bart Swain and all the other guys just coordinating. You know who's going to make sure they they get where they're going to be to to make sure that ball doesn't get flipped in the stands or something like that. Yeah, uh, well, that's two part. I mentioned ball get flipped in the stands. When ACAB had that unassisted triple play, that ball oh, got flipped yeah. in the stands. Um, when Corey had his 18 strikeout, that ball got flipped into the stands too. Um, but a lot of it, I mean, most of it, it's, it's hats off to Barton Court because they're the ones that, um, you know, to talk to the players and are able to, to get wrestle that away. Um, especially if it's on the road, I'll text Bart like in the eighth inning and like when Carrasco had that no hitter going in, uh, Tampa. in Tampa, you know, you kind of, the player gets what he wants first. And we kind of say like, well, what, like when Bowers hit his um, cycle, it's like, Hey, like anything would be cool. And if worse comes to worse, you try to get a lineup card, which is easy for us or a ball from the game. But Bowers was, you know, cool enough to give us his batting but do, gloves. But so. do you have like, do you have like copies of the plain dealer going back to 1901 and do you have all that stuff? So if you want copies, actually, if anyone that's got a Cuyahoga County library card can access the plain dealer um, archive from the Cuyahoga County website, it's all digitized up until 1991, from 1991 till present, it's just uh, text. But what's neat is you can kind of get like, I'll search stuff and you find these cool pictures of League Park. I found a picture of like the 1901 team uh, in one of the plain dealers. So because um, newspaper itself is is extremely brittle so like yeah right. we'll save all that stuff and I, I hate to break it to you but like a 1994 opening day newspaper is probably worth more sentimentally than it is I mean you know people, we have people that try to donate stuff like that and it's we have our own copies of it but at the end of the day that stuff is just um, you know it's mass produced it's the paper like quality it's it's that acidic uh, stuff. So I mean, it's right. like you have scrapbooks now, and stuff. They all just they're falling to pieces. Now, now, do you have the, the the one the white whale? Do you have the Roger Davis home run ball? That's that would be like the that would be. It. What's the story we, behind that ball? Do you know have, where that is? He gave us his jersey. We have his jersey from that. Um, the ball hit and came back in the field, and I don't know. No one knows where it went or or <laughs> what happened to it. And like, I don't think there's any video that shows it bouncing into in the left field and the left fielder chucking it and I know that like the Cubs I, I think that uh was it Rizzo gave the ball the last out ball to the owner I there was a story of that too like it's always interesting to try to like trace it down like in the authentication process I'm not like, sure fans realize how intense that is but like you know if a player signing autographs and then the authenticator comes those balls he already signed before the authenticator came in can't be authenticated because he didn't see like, so that's why if a ball goes in the stands and someone says, I have the triple play ball. It's like, well, you know, no one, anyone can say that because they all look the same. Right. Somebody has to have uh, eyes on it the whole time or something like that. Yeah. And like, you know, there's, there's like some loosey goose, not loosey goosey, but like, like Bobby Bradley, I know he had a, his first hit was a double and went to the stands and Mm -hmm. uh, I think someone tossed it back and, a lot of those guys, it's a good faith thing. And, and Curtis's father, Rick, does a good job of, yeah. of tracking that stuff down. And usually, like, the ushers can get to it quick. So there's enough of a uh, of a chain of custody, so to speak, that you know that 
okay, that's that's the ball. Um, so, so what you're saying basically is that the Roger Davis home run ball is, is probably on some guy's shelf in Parma right now. And, 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, I was thinking too, I mean, we think about uh, David Ortiz. His last hit was in Cleveland, and mm-hmm. no one would have known that was his last hit. But so that ball, was it ever authenticated? I, I don't know. Um, but – um, yeah, like, and when we opened the Feller thing, the exhibit, so that's the same day Corey struck out all those Cardinals, and we got the 14th strikeout ball, but like I said, Robo, the 18th was the third out, so it's just muscle memory to, to flip that away. Down, yeah. So someone has it, and, you know, they could tell us they have it, but at the end of the day, I could tell you, I, you know, I'll pull a baseball out, and, you know, it's <laughs> you can't really photo match a baseball, and we've had people – I got a guy called to get Elmer Smith's bat from the, uh, the 20 World Series. And it's like, well, you know, it's just, it's, it'd be impossible unless could you. Just be an old, yeah, it could just be an old bat. Unless you're the family of the player and it's been sitting around and there's, you know, we have some Feller stuff where Feller wrote on this glove, my opening day no hitter glove. And, you know, you just, some of that stuff, you just take it for, uh, for what it's worth. And, uh, or like the Feller Ruth bat we have, there's enough of a chain of custody and it, it photo matches pretty well, but you know, it's got the right chain and documentation that, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's the bat, but, um, so, I mean, that's kind of like the, the Indiana Jones part of the job, I guess. And, you know, I, I would kill to see more pictures of the old hall of fame. Um, there's an article in the 88 plane dealer that mentioned like all the stuff that they had, Somewhere there was a book that inventoried everything. Um, but one that stuff got boxed up. It's like that 48 pennant. You know, we have pictures of it on the field in like the 60s or 70s. And then did it just get thrown away? And uh, But, you know, we have come across cool stuff. We do have Larry Doby's contract from 47 when he signed. Um, so, I mean, talk about like the, the value. I mean, I, I'm always – hesitant to talk about values of things because I I'm not a collector so I just like having people be able to see the stuff because you know it, Heritage Park's great but the plaques don't change you know it's it's right. neat to see a, a ball from a game or a jersey and that's why in like 20 years or something like that when when Naquin's back as an alumni like we can put his jersey out from that game and you know some dad can tell his kid I was you know watching that game and everyone went crazy and that's the Jersey with the dirt stain and everything. And uh, I think that's more powerful than, you know, a plaque or, or what have you. Did, did you play a role in, in put making the, the uh, pregame film that shows on the scoreboard, you know, all the, all the old uh, video videos, uh, you know, you got speaker on there and all those guys. Those are our scoreboard guys, like the, our live experience and they're great. And we've come across, like if I find stuff, I'll send it to them. There's a, uh, it's like a South Carolina university archive has a cool um, uh, spring training video of when Walter Johnson was manager. And that's, it's a real neat thing, but you know, video footage is just so hard and so far and few between to, to come by, but with MLB um, you know, they're digitizing so much of their stuff and it's hit or miss in terms of like, Hey, you have a highlight from this game in 91. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But a lot of that older stuff is just uh you know, was either not thought to be saved or, you know, recorded over or, or uh, um, yeah, it's, it's all, you know, you ever, every once in a while you hear these neat stories. Like there was a, uh, a landfill dug up in, uh, in Alaska a couple of years ago and what they turned up were old film canisters. And one was from the 1919 world series and had wow. really digitized it. And there was yeah. a, one of the disputed plays was on there. So like, 
You know, they, there are clips from the 1920 series, but never once in a while you see these Leak Park clips. Too. Yeah, but with Larry Dolby, you know, they have they they've got Dolby on there. I, you know, I saw that. I first saw that at Yankee Stadium. They do a great job, you know, yeah. with, with their uh, history. How, yeah. uh, how how much of a kick did you get out of it when the the Hall of Fame's traveling exhibit came through last year for the for the All Star Game? And you know, was there anything that the the Indians contributed to that? Yeah, uh, I ended up talking to uh, their people for a while, and it's kind of neat to see like the stuff that we sent them, and it's kind of nice having first. So during the win streak, you know, they wanted certain things, and obviously Jay Bruce had the the walk off double. Well, I wanted the jersey, and we were able to get the jersey, so I gave them second base. Well, I'm not saying I gave them, but the Indians <laughs> gave them second base um, as a, a memento from that game and from game one or the. Game tw- we wanted 20, 21, and 22. We gave them, like, a pitch ball by Kluber. And they're not too um, too specific on anything, like, as long as it's something. And and that's, I guess, bigger picture, too, is there's a lot of teams that have museums now. The Reds do a great job, the Cardinals. And the, down the, the line, Royals, my – yeah, the Royals, Royals have a nice one. Amazing, yeah. Um, so if we ever get something that's, you know, a climate-controlled, nice situation – um, the Hall of Fame has a lot of Indian stuff, and they're obviously not the Cleveland Indians Hall of Fame. They're baseball, so you can't have this stuff on display at all times. So, you know, they, they do loans with teams. You just have to have the right setup um, to be able to uh, yeah. display the stuff and secure it properly. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like we're still kind of the same team with, uh, with the Hall of Fame. Uh, storage space is always of, a, of, of value. So you, you think about things, too, that are more – valuable to an organization than uh than to the baseball hall of fame so i mean obviously like a guy like charles Nagy or, or uh, carlos bayerga they're not going to make it into the baseball hall of fame so that's why you have a team hall of fame to kind of honor those guys that um you know fans remember and fans uh uh love and uh you know, I don't know what, what John Adams' plan is with his drum or, you know, things like that. That's the stuff you kind of wonder about, you know, because it makes Cle- – like, Clevelanders will remember that. But, you know, someone from from Phoenix visiting the Hall of Fame is like, oh, there's a drum, you know. it's uh, Yeah, but yeah, right. I, I, get, I don't know. I've never talked to John about that. So, I just – think... That's in his will somewhere. That's yeah. going somewhere. Right, the Hall of Fame's got the – the Hall of Fame's got the Joe Charbonneau record. They're set. They don't need the drum. We're good. Yeah, I saw they had their top picks for each team, and uh, one of their things was uh, – The Joe Charbonneau was, record. Yeah. God. But another interesting thing we found out when we were doing the Frank Robinson statue is no one saved his lineup card from that game. We had to kind of recreate it from uh, what it would have looked like. And uh, so no one really had the where the family didn't have it. The Hall of Fame didn't have it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things. Maybe, you know, someone has it in a closet or I don't Are know. Are the names I, I, on the card? Are the names on the card? Honestly. Yeah, yeah. So we, we took – we found what a lineup card would have looked like from, from that year or close enough to that year. And then Baseball Reference obviously has it all and Frank's uh, – and then, you know, working with Dave Deming, that dude is just incredible. The, uh, the sculptures he makes, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's wild. He's, he did so. Robinson and Tommy and uh, the Lou Boudreaux one, right? And Dobie. And Dobie, yeah. So he's done all of them but Feller. All of them but the Feller one, that's – Which, yeah. again, speaking of statues, too, I'm a, a firm believer that Speaker and Lajoie both uh, – I mean, I love statues, too, but those yeah. two are, uh, you know, again, the hark back on that early part, two guys that – I don't know if I'd say they saved the franchise, but they definitely added legitimacy and, and corrected a ship that was was uh, sure. 
rudderless, I guess. And right. uh, yeah, they're 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 two of my favorites, and I think they have interesting stories yeah. too. Oh, Omar will get his statue before they get uh, before they get theirs, probably. Climbing up in the <laughs> the, way, the, the way that the way that it's going. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Jeremy, uh, it's been a real pleasure. We're uh, we're about out of time here. Uh, but just uh, real quickly, uh, again, let the, let the folks know how they can uh, find the stuff you're working on and in the, the blog posts and the, and the podcasts. Yeah, uh, so our tribe history, anywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, um, I mean, Indians Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter. I, I self-promote a little bit there too. Um, it's a, a, a good avenue. Again, we're, we're trying to maintain um you know my love for history and we i i try to insert my uh history stuff with our main account at times but obviously you know we have a current team with a lot of great guys that fans love so you know for the fans that you know don't want to be uh or want to hear more about the uh the trist speakers and, and this and that can follow follow me or or check out facebook and we we try to post a lot of stuff on there and instagram we have a lot of this days in history so trying to get our, our history out to, uh, to people. And, and the podcast is just one, uh, you know, new way that we're, we're going about it and hopefully it's going to be successful. So then if you like it, please feel free to, uh, to kind or, um, uh, rate it and, and leave some kind and of words. Share it. Let it. People, let it yeah. All right, Jeremy. Right. Uh, you know, another good one. We'll, uh, we'll be back uh, with another Cleveland baseball talk podcast uh, tomorrow. <laughs>